Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get to sit down and have a conversation with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. Um, my name is Will Levan. I'm sitting here with my pastor, Eric Zellner. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Will? I'm doing great. Um, for the listener, today's podcast will be a little different than we've done in the past couple months. We're taking a break from our normal series that we've been doing um, of False Gospels in Auburn, and we are actually diving straight into uh, the, the, the moment of life all of us are in right now, Christmas, mm-hmm. and more specifically, how to spiritually navigate Christmas. Mm. Um, so Pastor Zellner, how do you spiritually navigate Christmas? Yeah, that's, I think it's a, the, the purpose of titling it that way, Will, is because I have not been very good at this for most of my life. In fact, even as I was taking notes and trying to prepare for this, I thought I'm about the last guy on the planet that needs to be talking about how to spiritually navigate Christmas. And the reason is I think I'm easily distracted on lesser things. Um, this microphone is jumping on me. It keeps turning. So we'll keep rolling and I'll keep talking. Um, but the thing that I, the thing that first strikes me, I'm going to break this down into broad principles that we want to cover. And then uh, I'll talk about some practical ways. So principles and practical. Um, the first is is mainly a posture of heart. I would just encourage our people by way of broad principle. When you approach Christmas, uh, let's don't try to be more spiritual than Jesus is. And and what I mean by that is um, let's don't create ancillary rules that are not built into the Bible, that are not present in Jesus's words or teaching uh, in order to try to make sure that we get to be the um, um, the Jesus police for Christmas, right? And so what I mean by that is uh, sometimes in an effort for people to avoid materialism and avoid some of the trappings of Christmas, uh, I have known families that have said absolutely no to Santa Claus, absolutely no to gift giving. Um, and in, in so doing, it's not usually that they're content for it just to be them with that position. There's there's a way to, to want to rule that into other people's lives, um, which tends to lean to be more in, more like a Pharisee than it is like a an actual follower of Christ. And so let's say this, uh, spiritually speaking, there are many things built into the Christmas season that we celebrate, whether in just in the South or in Auburn or in the church more specifically, that are, um, that are capable of distracting us from the truth. But they are not... Um, I do not want our people to begin with a defensive posture and go, okay, I got to be, I got to be so rigid on this that I'm going to make sure I, uh, I block out Santa Claus because, um, he's a big fat lie. And I don't want my children to later think, well, dad and mom are liars. Therefore maybe Jesus isn't even real. Um, I think a case can be made from either side, uh, and parents can in good conscience make those decisions for their, for their families. And, and, and one of the tenets of the, of the PCA, it's written in the Book of Church Order, is that Jesus alone is the Lord of the conscience. And so um, I, I would encourage us to think about, hey, I'm going to, I, I want to listen and think about spiritually what I can do in my own life and in my own family to, 
to guide my heart into the right places, but I don't have to be the police for everybody else. So I, I'm going to begin with that. Don't try to be more spiritual than Jesus is. Yeah, and if I may add, is this, um, I can't remember where in the Bible this is, but when it's talking about idle food, and as Christians we have um, the freedom to eat that idle food, and if our conscience condemns us not to eat that idle food. Yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a, a Corinthian uh, conversation, and uh and it's exactly right. That's that's where many of the um, pastors who who stand this way come to that conclusion, right? There's um, these things are not in themselves bad. Is materialism bad? Yes. Is giving gifts bad? No. Right? Is is receiving gifts bad? No. Um, is is the concept of putting stockings out and uh, and even pretending like there's a a large man who's going <laughs> to come down my chimney and fill them up. Uh, I think parents can are wise enough to figure out how to how to think through that and how to teach their children that. Um, I know one pastor who said, you know, what you're doing is you're teaching them to exercise a muscle uh, of faith. That is to believe something that's hard to believe. Um, and then a, a friend of mine commented, well, then then we might be pulling that muscle of faith out from under them if we later tell them that Santa Claus is not real. Um so anyway, I, I say that simply because Jesus is the Lord of the conscience. Uh, guide, guide your own heart, because that's plenty, and, uh, and then care for your family. And that's the first place to start by way of principle. The second one is, uh, I think it's important for us to think about, uh, by way of principle, having a measure of sensitivity about where our eyes go and how our heart follows that so that we do not get carried away into the things that can easily kind of distract and own us this time of year. So the natural, you know, based on this particular principle, the natural thought is, well, like children might easily get consumed by presents um, and think that uh, Christmas is all about the presents. Their eyes are staring at what they're going to get. They're thinking about um, what they hope they get, then they begin to feel uh, a measure of bitterness if they don't get it, right? So it's easy to see those kinds of concerns for children. It's often hard for us as adults to recognize that some of those same trappings are present for us as well. Here's two examples. Um, you, you may be able to put family in its proper context, but it's also possible to fix your eyes squarely on family and think in terms of, hey, Christmas for me is just about getting to spend time with my family. Um, and and family might be good and wonderful. Uh, it might be dysfunctional and difficult. But if you place all of your weight into the family portion of Christmas, then, then you're staring at something that's still not Christ. Uh, and even if you've got the sweetest, most godly family in the world, family isn't uh, the same as Christ. Um, and, and so it's important even as parents to make sure that we do not— um, excuse me, as adults, we don't just simply shift our attention uh, and place our heart in the hope that our family is going to be the ultimate happiness for me this time of year. Um, another one that I think adults of any sort could could fall into is uh, coming into Christmas with a posture of tradition or this is the way things ought to be, meaning fixing our eyes on uh on what we remember of past Christmases or what we hope for Christmases to come, whereby what we're really doing is putting in place uh, an imaginary Christmas scenario whereby I come away and there was no sin and everything 
was happy. Everybody laughed and ate well. And and I gave uh, gifts with the right posture of heart. And people gave to me with the right posture of heart. And I was a, a good receiver and a good giver. And I think what sometimes we're doing is we're placing on Christmas the hopes of utopia. We're, place, we're placing on Christmas the weight of the new heavens and the new earth, if you, if you know what I'm saying. This is a vacation time, and yet it's going to be fraught with failures. Yeah, just it comes some silly. Uh, my family used to just paintball on Christmas, but oh, that's funny. Kind of taking your principle, um, the the and this is again silly, but the the warning is not to look back on last year's Christmas and say, well, paintball is the reason why it was so good. Yeah, yeah, and that, I think that's the heart of it is just in order to make sure, okay, where where are my eyes actually fixed? And and so what I'm encouraging us with this second principle is just to be observant of the things where you're placing your hopes. Um, if I was preaching this in a sermon, I'd, we'd call them what they are. They're really, they're manufactured idols for us. So if the first one is don't try to be more spiritual than Jesus, I think the second principle is just simply to be watchful of where your mind and your heart goes and what you're placing your hopes in. Uh, the third broad principle I would mention is that I think it's really important for us to uh, to build into our this time of year uh, or allow into your schedule some spiritual alone time. Uh, not depending on how big your family is. Um, if you are by yourself at Christmas, that's not going to be hard at all. You're going to actually need to think in terms of, okay, I need to be around God's people and I want to try to do the opposite. But for those who have big families in my own family, I know it's easy for us to get into the pattern of saying, oh, well, we, we all stayed up late. We spent time together and we watched a fun movie. And that that's actually wonderful. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Problem is, if I have a hard time um, filling any, finding any space in my Christmas schedule for personal devotional time or alone time with the Lord, uh, I just think it's spiritually draining. I'm reminded of the second line of joy to the world, right? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing that that phrase let every heart prepare him room is is an important way to think about Christmas have I actually um, created space within my own heart spiritually within my own mind where there's actually a spot for me to pause and enjoy the blessing uh, of the spiritual aspect of my life because bluntly uh, working in a church, you would think that my whole job is to help people think spiritually at Christmas time. I have a hard time doing it myself. And it's not because of the, you know, we're short on opportunities to worship. It's because uh, it's super easy to fill your hours and your days with lots of things and then to neglect something that's actually really important this time of year. Um, and so these are the principles, right? Don't let your, don't be more spiritual than Jesus. Um, Second, kind of notice where your eyes and your heart are going um, and and be watchful of that. Third, allowing or building in some spiritual alone time. And and then coming off of that, I'd love to talk about the practical real quickly. And uh, and I, it's my hope that and I think coming off of the one I just mentioned, right, let every heart prepare him room. The first practical that I would mention for people, and again, um, this is just my own personal observation, right? I'm not giving a biblical exposition right now, but it seems to me that it's very important for us to slow down 
uh, not just in our um, our actions, but also in our hearts, so that so that coming along with the allowing some spiritual alone time is that I actually would slow down in my schedule and and maybe even carve out the things that are not essential or necessary. Um, and then where am I where am I um, creating a hurried and maybe harried pace to my Christmas season? So by way of practical, what would it look like in your own life to just think in terms of, hey, we're going to we're going to slow down. Uh, we're not going to add in many additional things that are going to be counterproductive to our spiritual health. The second, which I think is uh, practical, and, and again, these are not in an order that uh, provides preeminence to one or the other. If it was, I, I should have begun with this. Uh, public worship is just essential this time of year. If, you know, what I say at the start of each worship service is true, that, that worship really is a one-time when we get our eyes off of ourselves and all of the other things that consume our lives and our hearts. And and uh, that's going to be challenging. In a, in a Christmas year where December 24th is on Saturday night and December 25th is on Sunday morning. Um, but if you want to provide an opportunity for your eyes to get off of the things that that have the potential of being idols for you or owning you, then to be actively engaged in public worship is is essential. So I would tell not just people who go to our church, but those others who might hear this, it, it really do lean into the opportunities that your churches provide for uh, Christmas Eve service, for worship on Christmas Day, even for the, the days and weeks leading up to Christmas. What, what opportunities are provided, take advantage of them. And it's really because we are made to be worshipers, and so we, we're going to worship something. Uh, and when we come to December 26th, or January 2nd, and we exhale, and we find ourselves spiritually exhausted, it may in fact be because we've neglected some of the present opportunities to just simply take our eyes off ourselves, off our children, off our spouses, and actually fix our eyes upon Christ. So, uh, any comments there? Um, I was about to ask, what is the meaning of Advent? Isn't it not to wait? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, Advent is comes from this Latin word that means coming or to come, um, and it and so the posture that the church has often taken is that it's we're sitting in between his first coming and his second coming, and the the heart direction is to be those who wait with expectancy, um, which goes back to the idea of let every heart prepare him room. Um, am I looking at my own life and, and making space to wait upon the Lord? Yeah. Well, and what a, what a restful posture. Yeah, it would, it would be, it would be if I, and when I say it that way, I think it would be if we would, if we, if I would, would really lean into that, right. you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I think if there's a lot of conversations that I've had over the years since we started this podcast, that have made me say, oh boy, I'm probably not the guy to talk about this. But this is one that I really feel it pretty acutely. I don't usually think I do Christmas well. Um, and even when I follow some of my own advice, uh, I don't follow all of it. Um, so the third uh, is uh, in the realm of practical. I've mentioned slow down. I've mentioned public worship. The third 
thing that I was I would mention for people is just to allow yourself some grace um, when the way our Christmas is built in uh, in the culture and society that we live in. Gift giving is huge for us. And I think it's really easy to uh, to have, you know, five people on your Christmas list or, list or 25 people or 45 people. And you begin to think about those people as a check mark. I need to get I need to get Will taken care of. I need to get uh, Susan taken care of. I need to get each of my children taken care of. Um, and I do think it's easy to um, to think of them as uh, I need to get them finished up. Right. Um I begin by saying, let's give ourselves some some grace to to just simply remember that oftentimes my motives can be skewed in how I give gifts, and so I forget what even the real purpose of giving gifts was in the beginning. Right? I actually do. I want to do something kind to them, for them. Do I want to show them how much I appreciate them? Do I want to uh, surprise and, and excite them? When, you're, when your heart is really fixed on that posture, then it's actually a joyful thing to do. When your heart is fixed on, oh goodness, I need to get this done, um, then in, in short, I think that, that sometimes what we do is we treat people as a project instead of like treating them as people um, who matter to us. So I, I would, how do you begin by saying, Eric, Eric, I thought you said we should give ourselves grace, and then you end with this um, this posture of heart. I think that what I'm trying to, to say then is um, you may not be able to do this perfectly. You may not be able to do it uh, really well. But step back and, and allow yourself. Um, there's, there's people that we might like to do things for um, that we may just not be able to get to. Um, Another thing that strikes me in this, Will, is that um, it would be easy for me to say, give yourself some grace, right? Not everybody needs to be purchased for it. Not everybody do you need to buy for. It would be easy for me to say that because Susan Zellner does most of the purchasing of Christmas gifts for our children, for our family. Um, and so, yeah, sure, Eric, it's easy for you to to give yourself grace because somebody else is taking care of it. But what I, I guess what I'm getting at is what would it look like for those who really are the gift givers, uh, to to step back and go, okay, okay, I don't have to go overboard. I can just um, give gifts that are thoughtful and careful, and uh, and 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 take this list as a desire to do something kind as opposed to a project. I guess that's the heart of what I'm trying to say. And then the the last of the practical um, is this: I, I would suggest that probably many believers approach Christmas much the same way that unbelievers do, and that is without any prayer. Um, and I, I think it, it is probably very helpful for us to remember that the Lord Jesus, who, who left his Holy Spirit with us and who promises to be with us until he returns, is present with us as we even approach this Christmas season. And so it's important, I think, for us to, to say, I don't think I've ever prayed about Christmas and about my heart at this time of year. I don't know if I've ever paused to to say, Lord, would you would you help me approach this in a manner that really is glorifying to you so that my heart's not owned and carried away by 
silly things, but that really I, I do see Christ here. Um, and I do really enjoy the gifts that you've given me, and I grow from this. Um, I'm reminded, of course, that um, there's a charge in the New Testament to simply um, bring our petitions to the Lord, to present our requests to Him. Paul says that. Uh, James also says, you have not because you ask not. Uh, and and it seems to me that uh, when we're asking, because this is certainly what James goes on to say, when we're asking for things that are spiritually important, uh, God and Christ are very willing to answer that prayer. So what would it look like to actually, uh, by way of a practical help for us, how do I spiritually navigate Christmas? What if we just began to pray about how to navigate Christmas spiritually? I think that would be a great place to start. So anyway, I've got my principles and my practical. Um, yeah, there were. Uh, that was amazing. First off, thank you. Second off, um, kind of observing all that you just said, there's two questions that come to my head that listeners to this podcast may want to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being, as a parent, mm-hmm. how can we show our children and teach our children that Christmas is about Christ and that we're mm-hmm. supposed to and that we're called to glorify the Lord during Christmas in such a secular world, which I guess is a double statement because, of course, the world is secular, mm-hmm. but in such a way that Christmas is celebrated secularly. Yeah, no, I think that I actually think that's a great question, and it's a real-life uh, question, isn't it? Um, yeah, as a dad of four kids, I, I guess I look back and I go, hmm, I hope I did that well. Um, I, I think my wife probably did a good job with that. One of the things that strikes me is that that so many of the things that I talked about, right, public worship, prayer, slowing down, um, don't try to create rigorous rules. That um, I think that's one way to do this, right? But but also uh, one thing that you can do as parents, when your children begin to learn to give gifts to other people, is that is to uh, is to speak to them in such a way that they begin to understand that we're giving gifts to them. Uh, we like, for instance, if I was to help my son or my daughter think about giving a gift for mom, uh, they don't have a bunch of money, but they might have a little, um, a little, and they want to think about something that would be meaningful to to them. I think, um, I think we want to begin by making sure my children are in church, right? So we, so they constantly hear that we're celebrating Christmas because it's really about the birth of Christ. And, and then I, I, I want to speak to them about what, what the coming of Christ means by way of a Savior who uh, saves his people from their sins. And I, you know, I, would, I would weave that into the heart of the way I talked about Christmas inside my own house. But on a, on a, on a level of giving gifts, I think that's a different thing. And I, it would be important for me to talk to one of my children about um, – Thinking about what would what would be something that you know your mom or your dad likes, or what do you know that your sister or brother likes, um, and then um, how how could we try to find something that might be enjoyable for them on uh, on Christmas morning instead of um, and I think instead of just going uh, let's see I don't know oh shoot I need to get something for mom I better run to the store and get her some bubble gum um, or whatever that would be. Uh, all I'm saying is trying to help them learn to, to be thoughtful uh, of other people. So how do you teach your children to spiritually navigate Christmas? That's probably really what you're asking. And, and to that point, put them around church, 
put them in worship, um, talk to them about what we're doing here. This is so much bigger than Santa Claus. That's actually like the, the side part of the story. What we're really doing is we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Why do you think that matters? And then, you know, ask them the question, why do you think Jesus had to come to earth? What does that mean? Uh, and why does that matter for us? I do believe that uh, a lot of times parents do not, they're not willing to have spiritual conversations because they're not sure how they'll handle it or it might be too awkward. One of the things that you could do is just is just get good at asking your kids questions. Um, and by way of asking them questions, draw out their thoughts on things. And then you can help nuance the way they're thinking about certain things. I don't know, Christmas isn't exactly just about Santa Claus. It, in fact, it's so much more. What, what do you think? What do you think I mean by that? What what more is Christmas about? Asking them good questions and kind of helping to direct their thinking, I think, is a good way to approach that. And then not getting mom bubblegum, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Unless mom loves bubblegum, right? That's right. That's right. Um, and then the second question um, that I had, for, and this is more for college students who um, coming into college uh, were not followers of Christ and then were called to Christ in college, who may be going home uh, during this Christmas break to a family who aren't followers of Christ mm-hmm. and celebrate Christianity very secularly and, and there really is no talk of Jesus. Yeah. How can they seek to glorify God within um, where God has them with their family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, that's actually a really good question because I'm certain that there's listeners who we have that that's their, that's their story. Let, let me say this. You, you're not probably going to be able to undo who your family has been um, by virtue of you know, just a sudden, oh, it's Christmas time. I got two weeks. I'm going to change my family. But I do think you can think in terms of, okay, who who has Christ now made you to be? Um, and who are you as a believing uh, college student? Um, and so you know, I, I think it's right for college students to begin to, to try to talk about some of these things and, and share with their parents or their family members what has changed in them and why Christmas has begun to take on a, a different meaning for them. So having those conversations inside the house is very important. Um, recognizing that you don't, no college student, no adult controls the Holy Spirit's work in somebody else's life. But but simply being open and honest about what's different today for them than, than, was, than who they were at 11 years old, something like that, that's going to allow parents to see their children growing spiritually and recognize mm, that's a little different than what we're used to. Uh, and that's going to be a little odd. You remember, of course, that Jesus is pretty quick to to encourage people that there there may be uh, moments when following me means you actually have to make a break from your family members. Um, meaning they, you know, to follow me would mean I'm utterly shunned in some cultures. Uh, our college students are probably not dealing with it with. Uh, to the degree that has been that has been dealt with in some cultures, but it certainly would be true that you could feel ostracized or alone. For them, I would say go ahead and, and make the patterns to find a church to be at on Sunday morning. Um, it's Christmas morning, right? Uh, Mom wants you to be there to open presents. Great, I'm going to open presents. Could we do that at at nine? And I'm going to try to get to this worship service at ten thirty or ten or whatever it is. Um, and so coming home. Um, I'm going to glorify the Lord during Christmas. I'm going to spiritually nurture the the deep places of my heart and not just lay those aside and go, well, I'm going to be a member of the so-and-so family more than I'm going to be a follower of Christ. Um, and that doesn't mean being a jerk. It just means uh, 
asking for some some space to uh, to process and and uh, grow in who you are in that way. Does that? I don't know if that helps. No, that helps a lot. Um, I just I've heard a lot of college kids ask me that, and I think this would be very beneficial for them to hear. Yeah, it seems it just seems to me that there's um, when you're a child, it, it it feels like you've got to to remain in deep need of mommy and daddy, right? Um, and that certainly many college students are in deep need of mommy and daddy. But um, we don't need to not be Christians while we're home just simply in order to accommodate an expectation of how things are done in this family, uh, if that helps. No, that really does help. Great, great questions. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, again, we'll, we'll start back up with our usual series come the new year. Sounds great. See you all in January. You.